Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we share wisdom and practical tips to help you grow stronger in all areas of your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who offer real-world experiences that you can apply to your own journey. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm Meredith Bell, your host, and I am passionate about interviewing guests who will inspire and challenge you. If you enjoy my show, be sure to rate and review it on your favorite platform. My podcast is brought to you by my company, Performance Support Systems. We publish software tools and books for improving the way people communicate with each other at work. You can learn more at growstrongleaders.com. And today, I am so delighted to have as my guest, Janine Bolin. Janine, welcome to my show. It's always so much fun to be with you, Meredith. Thank you for having me back. Well, I just love our conversations, and this is going to be so much fun. Before you and I get started talking, let me introduce you to my listeners. Janine has been a serial solopreneur since the age of 10. She is the owner of the Eight Gates LLC, which produces four podcasts, 15 online coaching classes, and markets her 10 books. She's also a mom, and I love this, of four rambunctious human beings who continue to keep her need for structure in check. (laughs) Janine's programs and classes are designed for one purpose, to help you have abundant cash flow while enjoying the family and friends who surround you. And today we're going to be talking about one of her newest books called The Thriving Solopreneur. And I have a copy of it here. I've read it. The subtitle is Nurture Your Business in Just Four Hours a Week. No matter what kind of business you're in, I promise you that this conversation is going to be a valuable investment of your time. We're going to talk about Janine's formula for blocking four hours each week to work on your business so you can create a business that's profitable without working yourself into burnout. And Janine, this is so important because so many of my listeners, coaches, consultants, small business owners, service professionals deal with this where they are the person delivering the services and still trying to get all these other things done. So Before we jump into questions I have for you about the book, tell us a little bit about your journey, Uh, uh, not all the decades, I guess, since the age of 10, but kind of a summary and who you're working with these days. So I'll talk about it real quick. I always like to share with people where I come from because it helps you understand that many things are very organic for me. And so if you're looking for quick tips and things you can implement now so that you will have a fast turnaround and get cash happening now, I am not your person. I am your person that will be with you for the next 20 years as you build the lifestyle you want. So 
I started at the age of 10 selling earthworms to bait shops in southern Missouri. Yes, I was that kid. And the reason I was that kid was because I wanted candy and my parents wouldn't give me the money. And so my dad's like, hey, figure out a way to go earn it. So I had heard from this farmer that if you went out to the local pond and you put a piece of plywood down after you soaked the ground with water from the pond, night crawlers or earthworms would crawl to the top and then when you lifted it the next morning they'd all be close to the surface and so you could sell earthworms by the pound so that's exactly what I did so that's the that's kind of the beginning of that process the next thing that I would like to share with you is that fact of as you move through your businesses there's going to be very organic ways that you can build it out and share it with others and as you start sharing your business with others that is how you get your cash flow and things grow. A lot of entrepreneurs have an idea or a suggestion and then they never really step out and share it with others in a format that they can use. So I learned that very early on. You may say earthworms taught you all that? You say, oh yes, earthworms taught me all that. That whatever the idea was, you really had to make sure that you move forward very quickly uh, with that idea and then make it presentable, have a prototype, have a three-dimensional object, even if you are the purveyor of ideas. And so well, who do I work with now? Now I work with authors, I work with people who want to be on podcast programs as a guest, I help them with their marketing. And I also do coaching for solopreneurs. I specialize in social solopreneurs because usually they're wearing about 30 hats at once and we get them focused in a way that will bring the money into them. So I hope that was helpful to you. Oh, it absolutely is. And it's very uh, a very nice lead in to what I want to talk to you about with your book. Um, let's start with this new paradigm for time management that you um, recommend. What is that all about? The new paradigm of the four-hour week system is incredibly old, <laughs> and I wish I had invented it, <clears throat> but I didn't. It's one of those things where I had heard for years. Now, this is now I'm on business about four or five. I'm about 20, 21 at this stage of my life. When I kept getting the advice, work on your business, not in your business. And I had no idea what people were talking about. It was just Greek to me. It wasn't until I really understood the difference between working in your business, which is where you're the technician, you're the one that's building the products, you're the one that's helping solve the problems. You are the number one problem solver that's working in your business. Working on your business is where you're in a stage where all you're doing is the promotion, the marketing, and the vision of your business, and you have other people that are being the problem solvers and dealing with the day-to-day. -day. It's, the, it's the area where you move out of being a solopreneur and you become an entrepreneur, and that's where you actually start building to a place where you help bring on other people to run your help you run your business and so that is where i help others now is in that transition so what's this four hour week thing that i'm talking about it's how you go about nurturing your business while you're still a solopreneur <laughs> so that you can get to a level where you can then hire those people because you have systems in place so that they can come on board and assist your clients and they can run the business while you continue to work on it and it's bro broken out in a four-hour week uh, way now as far as time management you hear that a lot and that's the everybody thinks that solopreneurs your biggest asset is your money 
in actuality, it is how you spend your time. And you can get pulled in 500 directions. You and I are both very aware of this. You can feel like you have to go 500 directions at once. And of course, when you do that and you start multitasking, things go down the tubes. So with the Thriving Solopreneur, it helps you block out your time so that every week, you're doing similar things on similar days so that you can allow that organic process to build your business. So you have the four hour week that you work with, which is the first hour is you are, uh, I almost said podcasting, you're uh, prospecting, sorry, <laughs> prospecting. The second hour a week is you are connecting with new people. The third hour a week is you are following up with people. You're doing the follow-up. And the fourth hour a week is you, and this is the one that most solopreneurs really neglect, and that is you're educating yourself. You're making yourself better. You're, you're reading that next business book. You're learning that new piece of software. And if you dedicate those four hours a week to yourself, where you're spending an hour a week prospecting, you're doing follow-up, you're connecting with people, and you're doing your training, then you are building a healthy environment for you, for your mental health, so that you can actually then be able to move forward with your business in a uh, physical way that is beneficial to you. Yeah, I think those four are so important. And I really enjoyed each one of your chapters. We'll go deeper in each one. I'm curious if you recommend uh, that they block out, you know, one four hour block to do them all consecutively in one day or, you know, sprinkle them out over the week. Do you have a recommended structure or is that up to each individual? I leave that up to each individual. I prefer to have Mondays where I'm prospecting, Tuesdays I'm connecting, Wednesdays I'm doing my follow-up, and Thursday I'm educating myself. Then on Fridays, I'm training my teams. My Fridays is when I reach out to all of those contractors and vendors and stuff like that that are helping my business move forward and I'm taking care of them. So that's how I choose to split it up. But if you talk to CEOs or uh, folks that are fortune 1000 companies sort of individuals you will see that they only work three days a week doing what the four-hour week system i bring up they only do that three days a week and then their mondays and fridays is literally planning and days where they're getting ready for the next week so one, it depends on what stage of your business you're in. Um, at this point in my career, I'm at a place where I am operating heaviest Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My Mondays and my Fridays, I do not schedule phone calls or external meetings. Those are pretty much just to help with the business. So each business owner is going to have to define for them what is the lifestyle you want to lead. And I found that if I keep Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as my primary focus of work, then Mondays and Fridays were loose enough so that I could take care of those four active human beings that are the ones that are the reason I keep food on the table. They keep wanting food with their meal. I don't know what that's all about. They keep growing. They keep wanting more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that you say that. And I think it's important for everybody to, to think for themselves, what kind of rhythm makes sense for me? In my case, I have Wednesdays and Fridays pretty much blocked off with no calls and Tuesday, Thursday are more the interactive days. And then Monday is sort of a mixture of the two. So it, it just, I think, depends on what somebody's other obligations are and what makes sense for them. Let's talk about that first one a minute, the 
prospecting, what would be some typical activities that you would recommend somebody be doing in that particular hour? Well, one of the things that people have just gone through, which was the lockdown of 2020. And one of the things that I was asked to speak about most was prospecting because like everyone else, I Q1 of 2020, I lost $28,000 in speaking engagements and fees because we were not allowed to meet. However, I didn't want to demand from event planners that they pay me anyway, just because if we had contracts, doesn't mean I was gonna hold their feet to the fire with that, right? I mean, it's like they couldn't even <laughs> get their money back for the uh, deposits they had on things. So what we chose to do was I had people that were constantly saying, so what do I do? What do I do? And I'd say, go back to your address book or your contacts and go and start contacting all of those clients you've had in the past and follow up with them. Find out where they are in their life. Just ask them, are you okay? We've been through a very rigorous last couple of 18 months. And with that, people are a lot more open to just chatting with fellow business owners as long as you're not trying to sell. So the number one rule about prospecting, yes, you hope they become a client, but they may be the step to your perfect client. You do not know until you have that conversation with them. And so you get on a phone call. I know that's like crazy. People are like, oh, nobody answers phone calls anymore. I beg to differ. Uh, what I do though, especially with millennials who find it invasive for you to call them first, is I always text them and I'll say, hey, do you have a minute? I'd like to chat with you and find out how you're doing. And then I let them set the schedule on what that looks like. But for me and my activity, I am planning out phone calls to to be able to connect with people. Now, if you're very uncomfortable doing that kind of thing, then there's always LinkedIn. And or people, a lot of people have said, oh, Janine, I don't do anything on LinkedIn. I always get these marketing. I always get these spammers. I'm like, when was the last time you had somebody reach out on LinkedIn and use the voice button? You know, they have that microphone on there and say to you something like this. Hey, Sarah, this is Janine. It has been forever since we talked. My records show that we stopped communicating in 2019. A lot has happened since then. How are are you? How's your family? Are you doing okay? I'd love to be able to get on a phone call with you. You leave that kind of voice message. They hear your voice. They hear the sincerity. They know you're not going to be a salesperson. When was the last time you had a message like that on LinkedIn? I'd say it was never to one if you know me because, you know, I use that voice messaging. That's the way you get around that kind of stuff. So prospecting is reaching out to your warm leads, people who have already wanted to connect with you, people who have already in your world, and you spend an hour a week just catching up with people. It will be amazing how many of them will say to you, hey, Janine, or whatever your name is, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And what I always say to folks is, hey, do you know of anybody who has podcasts? Because I'd like to work out a trade. I'd like to have them be a guest on my show. I want to, you know, be a guest on their show. And the next thing I know, I have 48 speaking engagements a year based on referrals alone. So these are the things that really help your business. So that is some of the activities for pod, uh, for prospecting. <laughs> That's great. I, you know, I'm intrigued with the um, voice messaging and I'm curious if you've experimented with or you know if others who have using video to send messages instead of just an audio. Does that have you seen any difference in using one versus the other? 
Uh, no, because I have a predisposition to audio. I started my career uh, being a broadcaster on radio. I'm very comfortable with audio, and so I haven't done a lot with video because audio, it doesn't matter where I am. I can be sitting in my car, I can be waiting on a child, I can be standing in a, a talking area of the library, it doesn't matter where. So for me, ease of use. Whereas with video, all of a sudden, it becomes a lot more complicated in my brain because I'm very aware of my branding and because I work with people's money and help people with uh, financial planning, I'm sorry, with uh, debt-free living, that um, I'm very aware of what I look like on video. And so I hesitate on that. Now, for those of you who video is just like not even a problem, then go ahead, you know, do your uh, Facebook video messaging if you want to or LinkedIn, that's fine. But for me and my business, it's just, it's a lot more, I get a lot more traction just with using my voice. Mm -hmm. Well, you have such a fabulous voice. You've honed it over the, the years. And yes, and that would be pretty easy. I really like the idea of that personalized message because one of the reasons I think we object so much to those marketing and sales messages on LinkedIn is because we can tell they're automated. You know, there's nothing personalized about it. So when someone can leave a personalized message, like you just said, and they can pick up the intonation that is missing in a written message, it just carries a lot of weight. I think that's really pure gold there. And so looking at the next step, then the connecting part, what are some of the things that you suggest people do in that arena? So connection for me almost always means social media. Um, I do not like social media. I will be very upfront about that in the sense that I liked it when it was smaller, like back in the day, remember when I'm going to date myself, when Twitter was used in corporations to let you know, let your team know that you've landed at O'Hare and somebody needs to pick you up, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's nothing like that anymore. So when we were first using social media, I loved it. It then became its own animal, as you know, with the AI and all that. And you're constantly having to train the artificial intelligence that runs behind these platforms on what you want it to do for you. <laughs> And so one of the things that I do with that connecting hour is I do not reach out to others and have them connect with me. I wait for others to say, hey, Janine, I want to connect with you. And then I spend an hour a week responding and friending, friending or connecting with all of those people. I don't care if it's Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, or um, Facebook, whatever format it is. I spend an hour a week saying yes to those people and sending them a message that says, hey, you reached out to me. Thank you so much. What was it that you wanted to chat about or get to know me better about? Was it my podcast, my online programs? Did you read my book? See, I'm trying to figure out how they found me. And I'm also sending a very targeted message to that individual because I use their name. And yes, I do cut and paste stuff, but I also look at their profile really quickly just to say, I see that you are in uh, whatever their industry is. How is it that you found me and how can I be of best service to you and your community? And it's that servant leader that you hear about all the time. It's like, we are here to serve other people's communities. How can I best serve as a leader of my community? Mm -hmm. And when you start coming together like that as a colleague, as you know, relationship marketing, that's what we're doing. Um, it means 
I don't want a short-term relationship with you. I want you to be with me till I can no longer run a business. <laughs> so that's one of the things that people pick up very quickly with me. So that's the first message. All right. If they do not respond to me, not to worry, two weeks later, when I come up on my connecting hour, they'll get a second message. Two weeks after that, if they still don't respond, they'll get a third message. Usually most people respond by that third message. And I'll, and I have different messages in my sequence that I'm using to say, hey, you connected with me a couple weeks ago. Here's my latest podcast. Here's my latest blog article. I'm always giving them stuff that's free and in no way ensnares them. So they realize I'm not trying to sell them. I'm just saying, this is what I do. You still haven't told me what you do. How are we going to connect? So that's that hour of connecting. Yeah, that is, I think, so important because many people struggle with what do I say mm -hmm. when I reach out? And it sounds like all of the message you're sending these folks are written, not audio. Is that right? Correct. They're the written word. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's interesting that you get non-responses from people that have reached out to you. But then again, if they're using an automated system, they may be connecting with you know, quite a few people. And so I think that, again, that approach is so critical. Now, the third one is, I think, for me, I, I have to really put a structure in place, the follow-up. Because if I have an initial conversation with someone Janine, I'm really good at sending whatever follow-up information I promised during our call, but then the continued follow-up and staying in touch. How do you structure your follow-up hour so that you're really effective in making sure somebody doesn't drop through the, you know, fall through the cracks in terms of you remembering to touch base with them? Well, I ask almost everybody that will give it to me, I ask for their address because I have a system where I send cards through the mail and that's part of that high-tech, high-touch. So um, remember way back in the day, Future Shock that was written in the 1990s and they talked about how if you were going to be a successful business owner, as we moved into the new millennial age, they were like, you had to have high-tech and high-touch. Well, I started getting into the habit of writing thank you notes to people, and I did it all by hand. I no longer do that. I have a company that I love, that I use, that helps me send out these cards after everything. And so once I have somebody's mailing address, then they get into the system that I already have in place for doing follow-up, but my follow-up is through the mail. And again, I'm not selling these people. I'm not selling them. And maybe once in a while on the back of a card, I might have something to do with my website or my phone number or whatever. But most of the time, the cards that are going out are positive pick-me-ups, uh, business tips. Uh, the, my latest book is out. Here's where you can get it the least expensive because Amazon has such a stranglehold on what we're allowed to do as authors that a lot of times I can offer a lot of freebies and stuff. And so people go to my website instead of Amazon. So if you want to get on my VIP list, my people know where to go to do that. So those are the things that I do through the direct mail. And that is how I have a system in place for follow-up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great because you stand out because so few people use direct mail anymore. Mm -hmm. They rely on email. And I remembered in one part of your book, you talked about the fact that um, these automatic um, 
you know, email autoresponders that get sent out after somebody say opts in, you discourage that. And of course you have your, the mail out system, but also you talk about picking up the phone, which is kind of unusual too. So um, talk a little bit about that. You mentioned it earlier, but I'd love to have you go deeper in that because so many people are reluctant, I think, to use the phone these days. Right. And, and like I said, that's a generational thing. Uh, sometimes you have to be careful who your demographic is because for the millennial, millennials and younger, uh, it's insultive. You know, it's an insult for the, you to just contact them and have the Hoobers to think they're going to pick up the phone and talk to you, especially if you're not in their phone. So I always text ahead of time. But there are certain platforms that will help you do follow-up. But the biggest thing with follow-up is just reconnecting with people. So whether you use just a basic spreadsheet, like a Excel spreadsheet where you have the date you originally contacted them and you just have dates on it. And every Thursday, let's say every Thursday is your follow-up, you go to your spreadsheet and you say, okay, who am I supposed to contact today? And you spend an hour calling people or texting them and asking to get on a phone call or what have you. Um, my business, when I started enacting this four-hour week system, and I really got good at my prospecting and my follow-up. My business tripled. I ended up having to hire seven teams of people to handle the load of what was coming on from all of that activity that I did. And I did it for almost 90 days before I really saw a turnaround. But after that 90 days, I was overwhelmed with responses. And this is what I found out from my own work. When I would do the audio uh, things for LinkedIn, which is where I primarily am on LinkedIn for my business. And when I do the audio, I almost got instant responses. If I didn't get a response, it was because those people weren't using LinkedIn yet. Um, what ended up happening is by the time they got the audio response, I would notice that I had two or three messages already to them. Like, how are you doing? How's, you know, your family? And then they saw, hey, this is my latest book. Hey, here's an episode from my podcast show I thought would be helpful for you and your business. They saw nothing but positive and here, you know, giving. And then by the time um, they got that fourth message, which was happy birthday. That's something I do. I sing happy birthday to people. Do I sing well? No. Do I, am I brilliant at it? Absolutely not. I cough, I sneeze. I've had funniest things happen as I'm singing happy birthday, but I just keep playing along and say, Hey, happy birthday. Let me send you a birthday card. And that's another way that I get, um, that I get, uh, addresses from people. I guess the biggest point with follow-up when you're asking about a system is you have to find one that works for you and any system is better than zero, right? Don't rely on your own memory. I would never do that as a mother of four children trying to get them running around to where they need to go and keeping track of my 600 students on my online university. This is impossible. You have to have a system for your follow-up. And even if your system of follow-up is haphazard at best, at least you have a system. So the answer is build a system and if it breaks, if you don't like how it's working, keep modifying. And I think that's something entrepreneurs forget. Keep modifying until it works. But the point is never stop using a follow-up system. Mm -hmm. and, and when you build a follow-up system, what would you say are the must-have pieces of that system? you must put it in a place where you will go to it on a weekly basis. So if you don't, 
If you don't have a link to it, okay, this is a joke for me. All right, I, I used Google everything for the longest time because I couldn't afford much, right? My cash flow was very little and here I am building this business. So I used Google Sheets. And so I started connecting my uh, calendar in with Google Sheets so that there are times where you'll see a full two hour block and nothing but a link in it. You click on the link, it takes me to a Google Sheet those are all the people that I've already talked to and it's two weeks time for me to follow up with them. So I send almost the same message to every single person on that section of my uh, sheet of my calendar. So that's what I recommend that people start off doing is just using spreadsheets. Now, there are wonderful CRM systems and that sort of thing. Um, and those are necessary for your larger businesses. But we're making the assumption that you're a solopreneur, you're not quite to the point where you can hire somebody yet. But a lot of folks try to get into the CRM systems and I've seen them bankrupt uh, companies because so much of their time was spent on the system, they weren't doing the work. So if people do not pay you, you're not going to be in business. So it always comes back to, you wanna get on a phone call with somebody so that they're leading you to your next paycheck. Yeah, that's a, a really important point. And something that doesn't seem too complicated to learn mm -hmm. and that you really will use. Um, and speaking of learning, that takes us to your fourth piece there, which is education, investing in yourself. And really, you're talking about investing the time as well as potentially money if somebody's going to, you know, buy a book or take a course. Um, talk about why that's so important and why do you find so many business owners that neglect that piece? Right. And I'd like to say the businesses that go under are the ones that are the ones that don't educate themselves. Almost every business that I've talked to that's been in business longer than five years, uh, there's a commitment by that business owner to read. Um, I'm not saying you have to read books. There's audiobooks, of course, right? But and and a lot of people say, but I don't learn that well. I learn better if I go on YouTube and I learn certain things. The the thing is, is I don't care how you're learning. Over and over again, I've when I've been coaching solopreneurs, I find a fascinating thing that keeps popping up. It's a pattern that I've noticed, and that is when you buy a program thinking it's going to solve a problem that you have in your business, such as an online course or something, you end up getting snow so ensnared in somebody else's system that you forget why you bought that program to begin with, or you never get around to actually using that online course. So the point of all that is what you're doing to train yourself is a lot of times what you need to make money or what you need to grow your business, you already have. Over and over, the pattern that solopreneurs have told me is that they would stumble upon software, they would stumble upon an online freebie, something that they already have. They have a system installed on their computer that they forgot they had, and they just never got around to using all the aspects of that tool. So when you really dig in to say Google Calendar, you just use that as an example, you really dig in and think, okay, what I need to do is pay another $20 a month so I can get XYZ service. And what you didn't realize is in the period of time since you first installed and started using Google Calendar and now, they actually have that in their system now. And so that's one of the things that is part of that training is that really dig into the stuff you already have. How many of you are actually using 
all your system software to its full capacity. I guarantee I've got my hand raised. I know I don't. I know I don't, I'm not using it at 100% optimum, right? So that's part of that training. And then reading a book, whether it's physically sitting down, reading a book on a Kindle or a paper uh, copy, or listening to an audiobook relaxes you. It puts you into a creative space. And one of the things that I've learned about entrepreneurs and solopreneurs is that we're a very creative people. So if you don't give yourself an opportunity to relax and move back into the beginner's mind, which is what got you that initial, oh, I need to build a business around this, right? That was that beginner's mind, that curiosity factor, that total excitement about whatever it is that you're in business for. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get that again unless you allow your mind to revert back to being a beginner. So for me, it's like every day I sit at my computer and I remember the beginner's mind. If I am going to be the best coach and teacher I know to be, I have to be that beginner. And that's what keeps me going and been running 15, I think 17 businesses now over the last 30 years. So. <laughs> yes, you've got uh, quite the track record. <laughs> and so you know of what you speak. Now, one of the things that I know from working with so many consultants and service professionals over so many years too, is many times it's how they think about these things that that cause the problems, the either the stories they tell themselves or the beliefs they're holding about what, let's say, what these four areas mean for them and what they'll have to do. How do you help people that are struggling with, with blocking time like this and really implementing it? What are some steps that you might recommend for them? Okay, well, let's talk about the primary pattern that I see, typical scientist. I always look for patterns first, and then we look for solutions. <laughs> but one of the things that I've noticed over and over again with uh, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs is the fact that they built their business, and they focused so much on their business, they forgot their life. So what I recommend is that you build your lifestyle, you build the life you want in your head first and fit your business into the cracks. Because that's exactly how I had to work the last seven of my businesses was that I had a family. I couldn't devote 80 hours a week like I was used to in my 20s and 30s. I now had a, a thriving family. <laughs> and that thriving family required pretty much the same skill set as a thriving business. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the thing was, I had a life and I had to build my business around that life. And so that is something that I see people forgetting over and over again. Do not allow yourself to get trapped into that mode of I have to work on my business because I've got to pay the mortgage or I got to pay the rent and then sacrifice your family to all that. That is what puts you in such a high stress mode. Yes, we have to pay the mortgage, but I know the universe knows that. So the number one mindset to have is that is that one mindset of I am a thriving business owner. And some people will say, yeah, but I have $80,000 in debt, Janine. I have $120,000 of inventory sitting in my brick and mortar store and nobody is walking through the door. I said, yeah, that's reality. I, I, what business owner have you ever met deals with reality? None of us. We don't deal with reality. If we dealt with reality, we would never be in business for ourselves. That's just crazy talk. What are we doing? We take all the risk and we hope 
we hope for the positive you know, end result of being able to make a living, right? Now we do, we're very successful at it, but don't talk to me about reality. So yeah, that's where your reality is in the moment. So get on the phone, start telling people about your store or what have you. But reality is the problem. People focus on reality and I'm like, now you're starting to talk and think like a normal person. When were you ever normal as an entrepreneur? Never ever were crazy. So focus on the dream, focus on the vision. So when it comes to getting over mindsets, it's get over that story you're telling yourself that what normal people do is XYZ and I have to focus on this particular process of my business in order for me to make more money. And I always say to people, how many people have you called this week? Or how many people have you physically spoken to about your business? That's the single biggest factor for income. You want to make more money? Start making more phone calls. Every It's sales 101. But for some reason, as solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, we think we're beyond that. You know, we get to a point in our cash flow where we think, well, we don't need to do that as much. Uh, if anything, you need to start doing it more <laughs> because mm -hmm. your vision's gotten bigger and your process and your services have gotten bigger. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about things that we can get caught up in doing, like updating our website or making it nicer, you know, that's not anything you talk about in this wonderful book. You know, the these kinds of cosmetic things that keep us busy, but really don't connect with others like you're talking about. And that's what I loved about, you know, the four pieces that you put in there, because all of them, well, the education part is really focusing on yourself, but you're also looking at learning things that will help you be more effective in your conversations and your outreach. And those other three are just such important elements um, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Chandler, but he talks about, let me see your calendar so that, you know, for his coaching clients, because if there's nothing on the calendar that's in the form of having conversations with people, then like you said, nothing's going to happen. You can't do these other indirect things and think that that's going to be the solution, right? Correct. And, and you don't necessarily have to do these things, uh, especially when it comes to the connecting and follow-up pieces of, of what we were describing for the four-hour week system. You can hire a lot of that stuff out. Just make sure that the messages they're sending to people are your words, your way of doing it. And then when it comes to people's birthdays or you see that somebody gets a promotion or somebody's changed jobs, send them a voice text. So here you have these structured messages going out that somebody else has sent them on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever. But then in their mix, you're seeing also these uh, uh, these voice messages that you've put together. And, and that's what I finally got to a point in my businesses where I was able to do that. But as a solopreneur, I was having to do it all myself. And I got really good at the messaging and what worked. And I already did a lot of the testing that is necessary to find out what's going to bring the best response, what's going to sound. And <laughs> funny enough, it had nothing to do with marketing. What brought the best response was the fact that I would say things like, by the way, we just got 15 inches of snow. So after I took, I'm taking a break from shoveling my driveway 
to chat with you today. Do you have some time? Help a mother out. I would literally say these sorts of things on LinkedIn. And because I was being real, I was being raw, and I, I'm very much a consummate professional, Meredith. You would never have asked me back if I wasn't. But at the same time, those were the messages that people would start laughing and go, I'm free in 15 minutes. I'm free in 20 minutes. And I think the longest somebody said, I'm totally booked today. I'm so sorry. Now, this is a Fortune 500 CEO apologizing. He goes, so sorry you're having to dig through all the snow. Give me a call on Thursday. Okay, so I would get these responses back. So the more authentic, you know, you hear this word all the time, but literally, the more authentic you are, the more you are sharing of your life, the more people are going to connect with you because it's obvious. Ah, what do you know? A human being on planet Earth. That is so important. That, that to me, is such a gold nugget for our listeners to take away in all kinds of situations because we often think, I have to appear flawless, right? I need to come across as having it all together. And sometimes your stuff's on the street. And so, you know, it, I, I just love that. The fact that you're stating the reality of what's going on because people relate to that. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? People connecting with you because they can relate to who you are and what you're dealing with in a given moment. So that is great. Um, I think, uh, what's the word I want? It's good seed planting because it will stimulate people to think about their own situations when they may want to call or leave a message for somebody that's like that. Now, these are audio messages you record versus calling and leaving the message, right? It kind of depends. Uh, Since I brought up the snow one, um, let me tell you, I I actually showed where I was halfway done with my driveway. So I took a picture and I sent it with the message, hey, help me out. I'm so tired of shoveling my driveway. Are you available anytime today to talk? Just, you know, I need a break. And ha ha ha, or LOL, whatever. And some people would be like, Janine, these people don't even know you. And I'm like, you're gonna learn about me now, right? You know, it's like, I don't worry. I don't worry about the fact that they, they don't know me. I don't, I just show them what I'm doing. So. In that case, I had the message with a picture. So you were talking about video. I, that's why I'm not comfortable doing video because I don't have as much control on my phone and what have you. But so much of my messaging is done from my phone that that's um, I'm not sitting at my desk doing a lot of that messaging. So that's the connection piece and, and follow up with people. Mm-hmm. So that, that helps you out. It just depends on what I'm doing. If I'm going to sing somebody a song, um, and sometimes, and this is only with the people I know a lot better that are hot leads as opposed to warm leads. But uh, on my hot leads, you know, I have these little songs that I make up that are totally silly. And, you know, it's one of the disadvantages, if you will, of being a Girl Scout, you learn to sing a lot of silly songs. And I'll sing off some silly songs or something and say, hey, just thinking about you, wondering when you might have some availability to get on a phone, because I didn't give you the second chorus or something like that, (laughs) second verse. (laughs) And uh, I usually get back, and this is usually from the guys, which I love, they send back, they're like, please, God, no, I'll I'll get on a phone call with you just to shut you up. Now, these are people who know me. It's all done in fun. We're goofing off, having a great time. And that's the next thing. Stop taking you and your business so seriously. When you take yourself seriously and you can't poke fun at yourself and laugh and giggle, then why are you in business? You really need to have fun with your business. Because if you're not having fun, then why are you doing that? 
you know, there, there's easier ways to make money than being a solopreneur. <laughs> Uh -huh. And if you have any designs to be something else other than a solopreneur, go do that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, you have to have that determination and, and grit and just passion and belief in what it is you're you're trying to do. Janine, this has been great. We are running close to um, our time here, but I want to encourage people to pick up a copy of your book, The Thriving Solopreneur, because it goes into the details of these four areas, plus a fifth area about working with your team, as Janine mentioned, that she does on Fridays. And also, she's got this great simple system for taking care of all those business cards that when we were having in-person uh, networking functions or other events where you collect business cards, what do you do with all those? And she's got a great system in there. We'll leave that for people to learn when they get your book, Janine. But meanwhile, tell people how they can connect with you and where they can learn more about all the services, your podcast, your books and everything else. The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. And once you wish to connect with me, my team will uh, let you know, hey, how did you find out about us? And please say, I heard you on Meredith Bell's program. I'd love for you to say that because then my team will notify me and we will get on a call very, very quickly after that. Um, you are welcome to go to the8gates.com, but really LinkedIn because that's where you'll get one-to-one -one service. Great. Well, Janine, thank you so much for being with me today. I, I just enjoyed our conversation so much. You are such a bright light and a joy to talk to. And I love what you're teaching and helping other solopreneurs be able to do so that they truly enjoy their work, have fun, and don't take themselves or their work too seriously. You have a great week. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now, head over to growstrongleaders.com slash free and grab our ebook, Listen Like a Pro. You'll find out how to connect on a deeper level with the people who matter to you. And while you're there, check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.